intentional, tactical, and actionable information you can use to take your real estate investing business to the next level. This is REI Rocket Fuel. Hello and welcome to this episode of the REI Rocket Fuel podcast today. I am so excited. We are joined by none other than Wichita real estate mogul Francis Ballman. Francis, thank you so much. I know you're a very, very, very busy guy running the multitude of companies that you have at uh, the level that you run them. So thank you for carving out 20, 30 minutes to come and do this. Yep. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. That. So let's kick it off. How... How did you get started in real estate? Why did you get started in real estate? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So um, I always had this entrepreneurial kind of itch that I wanted to scratch. Um, grew up um, on a small farm, oldest of nine, eight boys, one girl. And I started scratching it even in high school. I'd go to the local fairs and uh, put together uh, little booths, little master chief booths with dart guns to make money. So it was just something that I had a, a passion for, the fact that I could control um, you know, the operations and, and make money was just something that always drove me. But I knew that most businesses failed. And so when I went to college and uh, uh, went to Newman University, I knew I wanted to start a business, but I wanted to take a more conservative route. So I told myself I would go try to get a good high paying salary job and go to law school and then try to leverage that salary and those relationships to start some sort of business to hopefully get to the point to where um, I could walk away from the law firm or whatever job I had if I wanted. So that's the mission I set out, set off on, try to live below my means, work really hard at the law firm and use that money to springboard some sort of business or opportunity. So I didn't bat a thousand. Uh, the, first, the first business I started was a restaurant. It was a small sandwich shop on the south side of town. And I learned pretty quickly. Hey, Wichita? In Wichita. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, it's called Blue Skies Bistro um, out, out south. Um, and so I learned a lot from that, a lot of good lessons that kind of transitioned over to real estate. But I figured out that the food business was not for me. Sure. And so um, that that broke even from a dollar standpoint, but was a big negative from a time standpoint. And so I sold that. And then I kind of said, well, what's next? Let me try real estate. So Started buying single family houses um, on the west side of town where I was from. That seemed to go pretty well. The fact that I was a lawyer, I think, helped keep some of the uh, the troubled tenants away. Sure. <laughs> uh, if I going to be a lawyer, then, uh, you know, you, you, you know we're going to follow the lease agreement that we both both signed. So, um, so yeah, got up to about five uh, properties, primarily using 30-year fixed loans, putting uh, 20% down. Which, which in retrospect, I'm glad I did those because those two and two and a half percent interest loans for 30 years are really nice right now. Um, oh, yeah, no doubt. Those are great. <laughs> yeah. So then I got up to about 10 or so in 2015 and I was self-managing, had other people come to me and say, hey, Francis, I know you're doing this rental thing. Would you mind managing my property? So that's when I made the decision to actually start a management company. I started Reliance Property Management and then for a few years on, it was just burning the candle at both ends. I was full bore during the day on my law stuff and nights and weekends, I was buying properties, picking up new clients to manage. And we just kept going like that until we got to the point in 2017, where I went to one of my brothers, Jonathan, who was a rising star out at Coke. And I said, look, I've got something here and I want you to be a part of it. I'll give you a percentage of the company. If you just come run this for me. Oh, Jonathan was working at Coke. He said, yep. He was over at Invista doing really well. Um, oh. kind of a rising star. And uh, yeah, I, I, I 
I made the decision that I thought I would rather have a slice of a big pie instead yeah. of all of a small pie. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd rather have 70% of a watermelon than hundred percent of the grape. Exactly. And then that was the percentage. I, I gave him 30, I own 70 and we were off to the races and uh, he's done a really good job and his skill sets complement mine and that I'm more of the sales glasses half full. Let's grow, grow, grow. And he's more of the processes operations. We got to actually run this thing. So he came in and did a phenomenal job and we have grown to the point to where Reliance manages a little over 1300 properties of those. I own 300 properties or 1300 doors. Uh, uh, we primarily manage single family houses. So of the, wow. so like of the 1300 properties, probably 1200 or 1250 are single family properties. So that's, that's kind of our niche. Wow. Um, um, we have a lot a, of people talk about, you know, doors and units and, you know, they're, they're a property management company that manages five properties, but they happen to all be large apartment complexes, but to have 13 or to have 1200, even 1250, even a thousand individual doors, individual addresses is bananas. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And Jonathan and the team there, I think we have roughly 25 employees, him and Rachel, the manager and all of our employees, they, they do a phenomenal job, but uh, yeah. And so as it grew, I started to be able to scale and I thought, okay, I can get labor cheap. Um, I brought HVAC roofing and plumbing. I've got all those licenses in-house to help keep our costs down for our owners at Reliance. How can I leverage this to, to start some new businesses? So I started getting into flips, connecting with people like yourself. And so we have a flipping division that's separate from the management company. We flip, um, I think this year we're, we're at 28 houses. I think we'll end around 40 um, for the year. It's just like on HGTV. We buy something from Lawton, the wholesaler, and uh, fix it up and put it on the market and, and hopefully make a good profit and just keep going. So we do that. And then uh, short-term rentals, I've also gotten in. I, I own 12 them in South Padre, and they perform very well. I have four in Wichita, and surprisingly, those have performed very well. So we have a short-term rental division. So um, we've been able to kind of create this funnel to where when a property comes in, we can analyze it from multiple ways. It's right. like, flip it. Can we put it in our long-term rental portfolio? And, or can we put it over in our short-term rental portfolio? And so it gives us a lot of optionality yeah, no uh, doubt. When, we're, when we're doing that. So yeah, so, um, and so I hit my goal. I retired from the law firm at the end of last year um, at age 39. And so my day now consists of, uh, you know, doing the real estate, talking to realtors and wholesalers. I'm kind of the point of contact as the properties come in, I analyze them, send them off to the team, and then they go do their thing. So. Sure. sure. Wow. Okay. That's a, a quite the intro. I tried to take notes and, you know, keep track of all the things going every which way, but uh, I think that would be a fool's errand to try and keep up with you. So what, uh, why of all things, you know, you know, you said the food business wasn't for you and you found that out really early on. What made you choose real estate instead of uh, starting your own law practice or stocks or financial planning? You know, one of the myriad of other 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 opportunities that I'm sure as a as a as a high income W two earner and a, a an intelligent and educated person with a law degree, the world's your oyster. Why real estate? So real estate's the one, one class of investment assets that I think offers so much advantages over 
you know, like I, I invest in crypto and I, I invest in stocks and, and those, those all have their place. But I mean, real estate has four huge benefits that other investments do not. The first is the ability to leverage. And so, I mean, if you give me a million dollars and say, hey, Francis, go try to make a 10% return, I may be able to do that in the stock market. But if you give me a million dollars and say, Francis, you can go lever that and you know use that as a 20% down payment to go buy homes, then I, I can probably get a 20 or 25% return. And then by the time you throw on the appreciation, it's 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 nice. So um fits. Yeah. And, and you go to a bank and try to say, I've got some Walmart stock and I'd like to get a loan on that so I can go buy more Walmart stock. They may do it, but they're going to they're going to say we need a it's a 50 percent or a 60 percent right. you know, kind of a deal. So leverage is huge. And uh, um, so that that's the one thing. The second thing is um, the appreciation on it uh, and the fact that the tenants, you know, that the appreciation you get in rent and in equity is unlike any type of other investment that I've seen. So. Um, you know, a lot of times with stocks, you may get a ton of appreciation, um, but not a lot, you know, with, with like Apple or whatever, um, but not a lot of dividends or vice versa. But real estate, you get a kind of ride both ways. You get a ride the cash flow and the equity appreciation. Um, the third is the tenant actually pays down the loan, which is which is beneficial. And then the fourth is the tax benefits. I mean, they're just phenomenal. If you get a, if you get a good tax advisor and you or your spouse qualify as a real estate professional, you can wipe out all of your income. You can take it all the way down to zero, yeah. which I have not found another investment that you yeah. can do with, unless yeah. you're just losing your socks and right. yeah. your actual losses. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, real yeah, estate's it, the only one you can lose money on paper, make money in real life. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, real estate's been a game changer for me. It, it allowed me to leave the law firm practice in my thirties, and I don't think any other type of investment or business would have got you there. My goals as quick as they have. Sure. What's the biggest? What's the biggest lesson you've learned, or the biggest mistake that you've made? And if 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 the answer to those is the same instance, that's fine. Yeah. So I always tell people like I, I own over three hundred homes. I flipped a lot of homes. When I look back, there's only a handful of properties I wish I hadn't have bought. And the three that stick out to me were in Manhattan, Kansas. Okay. Uh, one of my one of my good friends uh, who used to work at my the law firm I worked at, his name was Eric Pauly. He had three houses in Manhattan, Kansas. And I decided it was back then, everything was growing. I was buying these houses, they kept going up, management companies going good. I thought everything I touched turned to gold. Sure. And that was a huge mistake. And so I'm like, oh, I'll just replicate what I have here in Manhattan, Kansas. It'll be great. And so I bought the three, didn't do my research on the Manhattan area, didn't really have a team there or systems. And so the first couple of years I got lucky. Um, I found a, a college student that was from Conway Springs and I kind of had him do a bunch of stuff, the showings, the maintenance. And it's like, oh, this is this is great. But then, then he graduated. And sure. the market in Manhattan shifted and it was just, it was I, I didn't have the team or the leverage or the scalability that I had in Wichita. And they just, uh, yeah, they just didn't perform as well. And I ended up selling them at a loss. So, sure. so, so yeah, that was the, the lessons I learned from that was uh, be humble. Uh, before you enter into any sort of new business or area, make sure you do your diligence, make sure you've got all your ducks in a row, your processes, and uh, you can help minimize your risks that way. Sure. So what, uh, so of, of all the deals that you've done, those aren't the only ones you had issues with or lost money on, or they are? So uh, so there's been some flips where I broke even. Um, 
there, there was one, one of the first ones I did in Rose Hill. Um, I think I lost a few thousand dollars on. But the great thing about real estate is if you've got multiple options, you may get into a property that you're going to flip. And, you know, we had this happen six months ago, one on the east side where, oh, shoot, we got to do something with the foundation or do something with the concrete. Mm-hmm. And so you've got an extra 10, 15, 20,000. And it's just like, OK, we're going to move it from the flip category over to the long term hold category. Right. And then. Five, 10 years later, you're looking back and you're like, you know what? I'm glad I held that one because yeah. holy cow, it's up another 40 or 50% or whatever. Yeah, we so- have a couple of those early on that um, I we we got into. And, you know, from a numbers perspective, we probably shouldn't have bought, but it was one of those like, we'll be fine. We're crushing it. Everything I touch, we're going to, I mean, just turns to, you know, it turns to sold. Everything yeah. turns to sold. It's going to be no issue, no problem. And we ended up going over budget and they, you know, the end product, the market responded and just didn't think it was worth what I thought it was worth. And this is four or five years ago when you couldn't just put something on the market for, you know, name your price and you sell it with 10 offers over ask. This was, you know, this was in a normal market. And uh, we ended up reluctantly turning both of them into rentals. And I was like, ah, oh, man, that sucks. Like I was counting on that cash, you know, coming back, that sucks. And they're two of our best performing ones in our portfolio. I, and we've got them on 25 year fixed mortgages, sub three and a half percent. So I'm like, these, these are great. These are good ones. We're going to go ahead and keep those in the portfolio. And I'm guessing the equity has shot up. Oh, shot up tremendously. We actually just closed a refi where we lumped those two and a few more that we had with this other lender and moved everything now over to one lender. Uh, and oh, yeah, the the equity that we were able to realize on that was was unreal. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, that got me thinking. Another mistake I think I made early on was I focused too much on the initial cash flow. So mm. I would, I would, you know, I, I tried to diversify. But most of the properties I, I was buying back in 2012, 2013, 2014 were these $60,000 to $80,000 properties where it's like, oh, I'm going to pick this up for 60 and rent it out for eight fifty, dollars and it's going to be great. And then I, I buy some higher end properties, but they just weren't as appealing to me because it's like, oh, here's a home in May schools, a four bed, three bath for $115,000 and it'll rent out for the 1% rule. Right. And looking back, I should have been more focused on which properties are in areas that I think are going to appreciate more in equity and rent because all the ones I bought in that higher end area, holy cow, like they doubled in value and the rents got up 5%. And then I look at the other ones and they've done okay, but it's no comparison. Nowhere near. Yeah. Yeah. To, to, to where, where the other group is. So it was a, that was a good lesson for me. And when I analyze stuff now, it's let's not focus just on the initial cash flow. What areas do I think are up and coming? What areas do I think have room to, to grow in appreciation and, and really try to hone in and focus on those. I think it's fair to say that you, that you need those other ones that do have higher cash flow to help you kind of weather the storm every month yeah. of like, so it's not just all net negative. Like if your initial cash flow is tight or breaks even on these higher end ones, but you're hoping for that appreciation and increase in rents, you probably need those seven, eight, $900 a month rentals that are cash flowing 200, 250 bucks a door every month to help subsidize for lack of a better term. No. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think that, uh, I think that's true. And then it also obviously depends on your situation. Like if you've got, like in your case, a nice wholesale business where you got cash coming from there, or in my case flips and 
in my property management business, then I can like I don't need my rentals to help cash flow. Right. And so I can, I can say, okay, I'm willing to build up. But yeah, if you're a new real estate guy or gal, and you know that you need that that rent to, to pay bills and put food on the table, then yeah, you do definitely need to focus more on initial cash flow because you need it to survive off of. So I think it depends on your situation too. But yeah, no, I I agree with what you you said there about getting a nice mix of cash flowing and appreciating properties. If you're listening to this show, you're probably a real estate investor. You could be on the fence about getting into the game, just starting out, or looking to take your existing business to the next level. And with all the different information out there, it can be hard to know where to start and who to trust. And that's exactly why my team and I created REI Rocket Fuel, a coaching company for real estate investors built by real estate investors. And it puts our decade of experience and over $100 million in transactions to work for you. Whether you want to learn to flip, wholesale, or buy rentals, we'll cover everything from getting off the ground, growth roadblocks along the way, and we'll provide expert insight into scalable strategies for your business. Visit our website to set up a call with our team today at www.reirocketfuel.com. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's important. What uh, earlier in the show at the very, very beginning, you had said, you know, you knew from the jump, most businesses fail. Most of them do. Why do you think you have been so successful when so many others haven't? Like what makes you and your businesses great? That's a good question. Um, I, I think it's a few things. Number one, um, I really, it, so like the customers at Reliance, like if I'd be managing your property and it would be vacant and it would be up for rent, like it would keep me up at night. Like it, I, it just bothers me. Like it, I just, you know, I always naturally put myself in, in the customer's shoes and it's like, we got to meet expectations. We got to do a good job. And so I, I think that's part of it. Integrity is another part of it. Um, and then, you know, uh, being humble and like when Jonathan came into the business, he's like, look, we got to we got to do these processes. They'll improve our quality, do this and do that and do that. And and I disagreed with him on some of that. But I, I took a step back and said, put your ego aside, Francis. You know, let's 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 hear what he has to say. I'll think about what what I think we should do. And then being humble and trusting your team and trusting the people that you put into place. I think that's really that's really helped where I've seen other business owners struggle to where they're kind of a, a dictator up top and they're just making all the decisions and they just need minions to run around. And, and those don't seem to scale or do as well as the, the ones where you get a good team in place and you get out of their way and you let them go execute. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I like. I cut my teeth as an agent when I first got into it. And I mean, for me, it was, 70, 80, 90 transactions a year, running around hair on fire, doing everything myself. That's the life of an agent. And I did that for two years back to back and made the same money. And that third year on January 1st, I was like, I have to go do all of this again, just to make the same, not even increase, just to to stay where I'm at. I have to go do all of that again. And it was a wake up call for me, luckily at the age of 19, that I was like, I don't want to be holding open houses for the rest of my life and showing houses in the evenings for the rest of my life. Like, how can I get out of that agent hustle every day, every week, all the time, year over year over year? Like, I don't want to hold open houses when I'm 35. I don't want to hold houses when I'm 25. So, (laughs) you know, being an agent for me, 
similar to, you know, you at the law firm, it was a means to an end. It was, I have, I have to make this money so that I can go do this. And right. it was, let's, let's burn the candle at both ends and make as much as we can as an agent, as fast as we can and build this up so I can get out of being an agent. Uh, as it, it was a means to an end for me. It was never about building a big business or brand as an agent. It was about getting out of that and doing it for myself. Uh, so I, 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 I totally understand that. We, we wouldn't be the operation that we are if it was just me. I mean, there's, there's just not enough hours in the day to flip the amount of houses that we do and do the amount of wholesale volume that we do uh, without the team in place. I, I, I just couldn't do it. So I know you're interviewing me here, but there's always a question I wanted to ask and I'm going to do it on the podcast. It's so we work, I mean, my funnel primarily is wholesalers and, oh. and flyers. I don't do any flyers or mailers or anything like what you said, but you have literally went from, um, since you started, I, I mean, I, I don't know volume wise, how you compare everyone else, but at least for my deals, you're the biggest wholesaler in town Yeah, and you're, you're one of the youngest too. And so wh- why do you think you've been able to go from, from zero all the way to where like, you're the, you're the biggest player in Wichita, at least in our eyes. So um, I'm going to flip that question you asked me back on. Sure. So. And the answer is the same. I mean, it's, it's, it's Marcus Limonis is, a, is, is, is a huge, is a person that I follow and listen to a lot. Um, he had the TV show, the profit on CNBC. I follow him on Instagram. I've read his books and listened to his podcast. And he, he's got his three P's. He's got his people process and product. And that's been the, you know, aside from the personal things for me, like being disciplined and being resilient and like building the processes that they follow and building a business that they can work at, aside from bootstrapping it and just getting it off the ground, which every business owner has to do at some point there was, okay, the business is losing money. If I'm doing stuff that's $15 an hour, I need to be having lunch with Francis or another buyer and, you know, maintaining those relationships and finding out what we can do better. Like I need to be doing those kind of things and expanding and figuring out. And we're, we're big on implementing uh, EOS at our office. I don't know if you guys have, uh, have ever looked into that or if you're familiar with the concept, if you, uh, if you want to learn more about it, you can, uh, the book is called Traction. And They've got a follow-up book called Rocket Fuel, um, which is like the next level to it. So um, EOS is the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Um, it's just, it's it's a really, really simple way to organize your business and delegate roles and elevate people. And it's, it's a huge, huge piece of ours. But uh, leveraging my team, giving them direction, and then getting the hell out of the way and letting them do what we hired them to do. Uh, I have a lot of trust and faith in my ability to recruit and hire and keep a culture at a company. And if I focus on that and hire the right people, maintain the culture that they want to work here, they get excited about doing deals here, then the rest of it takes care of itself. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you, you give them direction, you give them room to run and get the hell out of the way and let your rock star people do rock star people shit. And then all along the way, hiring is guessing, firing is knowing. 
Yeah. Like you've got to be quick to double down on the things and people that are working, but even quicker to get out of the things that are and people that aren't. Yeah. Yeah. So don't lie to yourself. Don't hold on to a loser. Yep. Well, it's, it's very impressive what you've done um, at your age to have, you know, the biggest wholesale group in town. So, and we love it because the deals keep coming. So keep, keep them coming. <laughs> as long as you keep buying, we'll keep kicking them your way. Yeah. <laughs> Works for me with, with everything, with, with everything that's changing the interest rates, you know, the market in Wichita's cooled down a little bit and people are starting to freak out, but this is just what a normal market looks like. This is what a normal sustainable market looks like. How do you see that or how has it impacted your business so far this year? And how, how do you see your strategies or your business changing over the next six, 12, 18 months? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, that's a good question. We've thought and looked at the numbers on this a lot. So, so I'm going to break it into the flip business, into the buy and hold business. Mm. So on the flip business, what I've noticed is the properties that we're listing that are $200,000 or less are still super hot. Now we're not going to get the, 20 people viewing the first day and six offers with three escalation clauses right. and all that good stuff. But I mean, we listed two this month, one in one in Orchard Breeze, one in Southwest Wichita. They were under 200 and they both went over ask and we're yeah. going to make money on those. Once you start getting into the, the 225, 250, 300,000s, at least what we're seeing the last few months is those tend to sit longer. And I'm not getting over ask. Whereas six to 12 months ago, Man, those same thing, you know, 10, 15 plus more grass. So we're we're adjusting our strategy to try to focus on flips that have ARVs two hundred thousand dollars or less, yeah. and, and that makes sense. So the starter homes um, instead yeah. of homes. so those are always going to be in high demand. Those don't go away. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and on the on the buy and hold side, I think it's a good opportunity to find more. Um, deals because you had all these young guys and girls that were starting, they didn't have a lot of money, but they could go to some of these lending institutions that do the ARV appraisals. And if they bought right or found a deal from a wholesaler, they could have no money in the deal. And the banks would loan them on that. But now as interest rates are going up, these banks are running debt service coverage ratio analysis. And I've had those young people come back to me and say, I can't buy this. It's appraising out. I'm getting a great deal from Lawton and it's appraising out. But the bank says, based on the debt service coverage ratio, they can only loan me at this amount. Right. And so, unless they have that cash, they can't close. So, you, so if you're playing out on the field with a hundred guys, you've you've now taken half of them and just put them on the sideline for now. Right. So, for those that are left, there's there's more opportunities and and less buyers. So, we've been able to pick up some some good rentals the last three or four months, um, just because I don't think that there's as many people buying. And I, I don't know if you've noticed that on the wholesale side, if it's harder to, to source deals to buyers because of that reason. But I, you know, of the 18 we have under contract right now, to buy, um, I'd probably say half, <laughs> half, I got on MLS. half of them I got on MLS. Whereas six to 12 months ago, they were all from Lawton and realtors before they hit the MLS. So there's more MLS opportunities now. And I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, from a wholesaler standpoint that, you know, we've, we strategically went into it when we started. We didn't do the email blast. We didn't do the text blast. We didn't, you know, post it to Facebook groups to try and build, you know, this cash buyer list where half of them are agents that maybe have a buyer someday and they want to walk it and build their commission in. And there's all these extra docs and it, 
it just wasn't of interest to me. And I came from that world. I was that guy. And I know how the other side of that looks. And I don't want to deal with it in, in either case where, where we came in and built it was based on the relationships I had built when I was networking my ass off and building up the agent side of my business. That's, you know, those were the buyers. I already had those relationships. I knew what they were looking for. I knew what their buy box looked like. I had all of their contact info, you included. And we just kind of started texting this short list of people. And 80, 85% of our deals get bought by the same eight or 10 guys. Now there's a couple that, you know, doesn't work, but I know that someone bugged me about a house in that area one time and they end up buying it. But 80, 90% of our stuff gets bought by the same eight to 10 guys, which we like because we don't have to build a buyer's list uh, from scratch. I did, but now it's serving everybody well. And it's, for me, it's easier to maintain those relationships than 60 people I've got to, you know, touch and happy birthday and let's do dinner and this and that, where I would just rather, instead of trying to convince people to do business with us, I'm, and we do the same thing with our seller leads here. We're all about disqualifying faster than we qualify. Let's not do a half-assed job for 80 people. Let's freaking crush it for 20 people and just nail it for this group of people. That's our, our top let's, let's do events and dinners and, you know, bottles of wine and happy birthday stuff and all, whatever we can do. Um, so I'm, it's not really impacting us. I think the, the, the only piece that I've seen, and to your point, because there is more opportunities is, you know, we've got guys that, you know, are usually, yep, cool. You know, we can close in a couple of weeks. It's always cash. It's good. And, you know, we got a text back the other day that was like, can we close in four weeks? I've got seven under contract right now because there's so many opportunities elsewhere where it's like my cash is earmarked over here. You know, can we move closing out a little bit? But on the, on the same token over the last three months, I mean, just this year, in the last 90 days, maybe 120 days, we've seen so many we're running up against on these appointments with these sellers, so many more out of state people than we were last year. Um, And it's turning our cash cycle from lead to appointment, appointment to contract, contract to close money in the bank from about 30 ish days, 28 days to like 45, 50 days, because they're signing this contract with the, out-of-state guy for $30,000 more than we offered them because they don't know what they're buying. And then they can't move it. They can't sell it. They cancel the contract with the seller. The seller circles back with us. We've got pings and stuff that go out and follow-up sequences when we lose a deal because we know it's going to happen. We have an 87% callback rate this year on deals we lose to other people that circle back to us. 87%. That's crazy. So, but it's turning our 30-day cash cycle, in, it's doubled it into a 60-day cash cycle. So I think for a very short while, we're just going to have to weather that until these guys get in here, back out of enough deals that they say, Wichita's not for us, we're gone. So we just have to weather that storm in the interim. But yeah. that's been something that I have seen is there's a ton of opportunity. 
And people see that and they flood the market with it. So we are, we are competing with more people out of state than we ever have. And on the management side, we're seeing that too. Out of every five new owners we pick up at Reliance, I'd say two to three of every five are out of state. Wow. And, and they're from California. They're from Colorado. And, Vegas. And, they, and they're just, they want to invest in the Midwest. And, and Can't blame them. Yeah, I, I don't either. And Can't it, blame it's, them. Good, it's good if you own a bunch of property because it's pushing up the values and suppressing cap rates, but it also makes it more difficult if you're trying to keep buying because the deals historically haven't been as good. But that that's cooled off. Yeah. The last few months, I, I mean, there hasn't been as many outside investors, new new investors that we've taken on. It's been more local. But yeah, for the last couple of years, it was, man, it was people coming in and buying, paying retail prices. And they were happy with it. If yeah. You know, California, you're going to have negative cash flow if you buy there. Oh, what's this? I'll take a six cap. In which yeah. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we sold a couple deals to an out-of-state guy that worked with a hedge fund. Uh, this is up in our Kansas City marketing, not in Wichita. And he's connected with some Scottsdale money out in Arizona. And he's from Kansas City, knows the area. He got a bunch of his rich buddies and said, guys, I'm telling you, I'm from Kansas City. I'm telling you what you can buy an entire house for 80 grand and rent it for 1200. And they're like, what? And so <laughs> he just says, and they, they just buy and buy and buy and buy. And good Lord, I was on a call with him the other day. I think he said in the last three years, they just hit over the like 500 doors that they own up there. Wow. They own a ton because you I, you can't get that in Phoenix or Vegas or anywhere else you're at. You've got to go to the Midwest to get it. And good the- for that guy. He got connected and he's from Kansas City. He's he's right in the middle. He's He's doing good. He's doing really well. And where the game's going to really change in Wichita is you've seen those private equity hedge funds start to peak up. You know, I play in the single family lane. You see them start to buy single family houses in Texas and Florida and Colorado. You're starting to see it in Kansas City. If that ever comes to Wichita, you want to talk about suppression of cap rates and rising prices. Like if that comes to Wichita, it's going to be hard to find deals at good prices. So um, buy now while you can. (laughs) Yeah. In, I mean, you know, uh, because if that day comes, then uh, the people that have the properties are going to be glad, and the people that are looking are going to wish they had started. It'll be sad. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, I say it all the time like off market discounted real estate is always going to be in high demand. And if you can find a way to consistently source those deals, whether you're wholesaling it, keeping it as a rental, turning it into a flip or a short term rental, if you, Having those different exit strategies, like you mentioned earlier, if you can find a way to consistently, if you can figure out a way to consistently find off-market discounted real estate and have different exit paths, you're 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 about as secure as you can get. Yeah. As as far as a sustainable business model goes. Yeah. That's that's what you call recession-proof real estate. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever wish there was a map for building a real estate investing business? Something that lays it all out for you. When to make your first hire, what systems to build, and what roles to scale yourself out of. Well, you're in luck. My team and I have put together the REI Roadmap, a step-by-step guide to building a real estate machine in your market. And the best part, it's totally free. Head over to our website and download your copy at reirocketfuel.com slash map. That's reirocketfuel.com slash M-A-P. 
What's your, as we wrap up, what's your best advice for a new investor? They've made the decision to get into it. They, they, they've either done one deal or they're looking for their first deal, but they've made the jump. They're getting into it. Yeah. I, I would say, um, and another benefit of the Wichita community is there are so many people that are willing to share their knowledge, their connections, the abundance mindset. I mean, there's local meetups and groups. And so I'd say, make sure you go do that and just connect with everyone. Because you go talk to someone like me, I'm going to tell you all the mistakes I made. I'm sure you do the same thing. And you can save yourself time and money by not making the same mistakes that those that went before you did. And and it, it's just, it, it astonishes me how many people are out there that are successful in the real estate community. They're willing to take time and share that. And so you can you can go from, you know, you can save years in experience by connecting with those people. And then you can also pick their brain on what they're buying and, you know, try to figure out what they're buying and see if that's a good strategy for you and then start buying. Um, you know, um, I, I, I mean, there, there was a guy when I started that I was friends with that we would work out together and I kept trying to get him to start buying. I was like, come on, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go 50-50 with you. And if you don't like it, I'll buy you out for exactly what you have in it. And he never did. And, you know, we just kept going. I've got six now. I've got 10. I've got 20. I've got 50. And I think it's, I started getting on his nerves when I kept saying it, but he never got in the game. And then he reached out to me a few months ago and said, I'm finally ready to get in the game. And I was like, well, that's great. But man, if you would have started back when I started. No doubt. Yeah. So, so get up, get off, you know, you're, you're, there's never going to be a risk-free investment. Real estate's not risk-free, but I think out of all the alternatives, it's, it's a good solid one. Get in, start buying, you know, you'll make mistakes. That's fine. Learn from them. Try to fail, fail small and just keep keep going. Real estate's not a get rich quick deal. It, it takes time. And uh, if you've got a business like what you have one that, that's kicking off good cash, like that'll make you rich, but you only build wealth when you take that and buy real estate. So yeah. make sure if, if you got the cash flow come in, just keep investing in real estate and and just trust me in 10, 15, 20 years, you'll look back and you'll be glad you did. So glad you did. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Francis, that was a hell of an episode. That, there's a ton ton of good ones back there. There's so many. There's, I mean, I, my head's spinning with all of the clips of content we're going to get out of this that we can post because there's the whole thing chocked full of great, great advice. So um, if someone wants to get in contact with you in the Wichita market or otherwise, how would they do so? Yeah. So you can just uh, uh, re reach out to me on Facebook is probably the easiest way or um, just uh, just shoot me an email, Francis Ballman, uh, which is tricky to spell, B-A-A-L-M-A-N-N -N at gmail.com. Happy to go to breakfast or lunch. I've got a lot more free time now than I did a few years ago. So uh, happy to connect and, and help people and, uh, um, you know, help them pursue their real estate journey. You know, you don't want to be at the top of the hill by, mountain by yourself. You want other people to be there with you. So happy to connect and share knowledge and um, yeah, help, help everyone grow. So you're awesome. You're awesome. Awesome. Francis, thank you very much again for your time. And thanks for your willingness to, to reach back and help the next ones coming up. So, uh, if you like this episode, remember to follow us on social media, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to YouTube, send a letter by pigeon. I don't care. Reach okay. out to us, find a way to stay in touch or content coming. Francis, thank you again. Yep. See you a lot. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of REI Rocket Fuel. For even more content, follow us on social media or head over to www.reirocketfuel.com.